You know the song. We don't talk about Bruno. I know. I shouldn't even try to sing. That's not my talent, but it is the artist of today, Stephanie Urbana Jones. It's her gift. She has sang in the Grand Old Opry. She had a song that she wrote that won the voice. She is the honky-tonk mariachi-loving sister who is multicultural, bilingual. She's an author. She is a master of understanding healing on a whole new level and what miracles actually mean. She's a journeyer, and you know me. I love to journey. She takes other people on international retreats just like we do here in the fit and faith world, and I'm just so excited to connect. We connect over our faith, we connect over our mission, we connect over our roots. And even though I'm not Mexican, I've got Mexican babies, and so I naturally feel like I'm Mexican too. That's why I put Frida on my arm. And she and I both love Frida. Imagine that. Oh gosh, today was so life-giving. Be ready to take away how you can find miracle in every realm of life, even perhaps on your own grandmother's deathbed. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. I kind of wish that we had your salsa music as the finale here so that we could come in doing some of our salsa dancing. You guys, I'm so excited to introduce you to my Latina sister um, and just an amazing artist and an incredible light. You guys are going to love her and I'm going to be excited to journey through learning about her too today on the podcast. You guys say hello to Stephanie Urbana Jones. Hola, mis amigos. Hola, <laughs> hola, hola. You guys, if you're not watching this, you need to make sure you get a snapshot of today's show because she is wearing a Vida La Vida hat, painted, hand-painted by uh, some of her Latina sisters down in Mexico. What part of Mexico? This one was made in San Miguel, but San Miguel de Allende, uh, but I have artists that I work with in Guadalajara and yes. also in Puerto Vallarta. Yes. So I was just in, um, actually in Punta de Mita, which you fly into Vallarta between Sayulita for a women's retreat that I hosted just a couple of weeks ago. And so I, I love Mexico. We were, we were just thriving together offline before we jumped on here about the power of, of exposing, especially my little babies who are generally here, right? In America, born and raised, but yet 
putting their feet in another country and specifically the Latina culture who is so like, they're just so gung ho about family and faith and their work ethics are amazing. And so to be able to support women and I imagine men too into the ability of thriving through business is something I'm really passionate about and look to grow in as well. So we're so connected already. It's amazing. So talk me through just the evolution of self, kind of how you are, where you are today. And and I haven't even given your backstory or bio. I'll surely do that in the intro. But if you want to give us some flavor of what that looks like now, that'd be amazing. Well, I was born in San Antonio, Texas, into a bicultural home. My mother is gringa. She's a blonde, blue eye like I can't see your eyes. She's blonde. And my father is Mexican-American. And so I grew up between Mexico and, and, and Texas. And so my heart has been, let's say, browned by my life experience. And when I was a little girl, um, the sounds of the border and the sounds of Mexico and the, and the life force and the joy and the passion and the faith and the family that I experienced in um, when I was little growing up in that culture is what then became my passion and my purpose in life to celebrate and to share in all ways. It's so beautiful. And I think especially because my husband has that Mexican culture as well with his mom being full-blooded Mexican, um, that her let's see, it'd be her dad. So grandpa who jumped the borders from Guadalajara here to actually serve in the United States military. And so she was born and raised here. She has siblings here and now she is retired and is living in Guadalajara. So it's amazing to know that like there is that drawback one. I think it's, it's more than just the, it's more than just the the place. Obviously, Mexico is beautiful, especially anywhere coastal, but even the internal when it comes to the art. Um, I was showing my Frida tattoo, which multiple other, you can't see it in the film, a lot of other gals, uh, friends of mine have. And because of going there, there was just something about the pace that I feel like is just drastically different than America. And so I'm curious when you were getting infused specifically from a musical background, how did that like pace really lend itself even to the way you you speak, I feel like, as a part of who you are? I think that, you know, I and I lead journeys a lot to Mexico as a teacher. Um, and I live three months out of the year almost in Mexico. And it always infuses me with a passion for life and the connection to the earth and the connection, like we said, to family and to their faith, the way they make a salad, the way they make a glass of tea. Everything is art and it all comes from their heart. There just seems to be this connection to their heart in everything they do. And you feel it. You feel that beauty. And then, of course, that infuses into all of our hearts. And, you know, I spend a lot of time in uh, leading journeys to Frida Kahlo's house to teach people how to become an artist of their own life, you know. And so it's all those things, but it's, it's the reason that we all go back there again and again and again. It's not just for the good time. It's because we really do feel the love. Mm, that's so cool. I didn't know that you led journeys there. That's amazing to go right to our house. I remember um, just a few, uh, probably a few flights ago. I say that because I get to go frequently. I'm so 
grateful for that, but I've never stayed for three months. I need to do that. Um, but I was watching her um, documentary and I didn't realize that she had gotten into that car accident and was bedridden. And that's really where her art like thrived. It, I had already had the tattoo at this point. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, like her just infusing like a will to live her passion for art and, and not really having a choice to do anything else, but to know that it then carried and made way for a massive legacy. I had no idea that it was bedridden that she did those things or at least took off the career. It was an amazing story. And it's an amazing to watch her, her documentary with Salma Hayek and then yeah. to actually make a pilgrimage there and uh, see, because I mean, we're talking about faith, and God, the way this, when you walk into the place where she came back and was bedridden and her mother brought her this, you know, canvas and she began to paint while she was, you know, lying down and her pain then became, you know, this purpose that, you know, people all over the world make pilgrimages and for sure, just in their heart, like you honoring this this woman of great passion and faith to me. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that that was like the component of femininity that I loved in who she is and that it's okay to be fierce in that femininity. Right. Yeah. And, and, and yet it's still beautiful. Like you don't have to be meek um, to, to necessarily be lovely. And, and she represents that so well. And I can feel that aura of you like so much that you're just like, you're a fierce female. And so I want to hear like in the development further of like having this passion for your red lipstick, like your abuelita, having this passion for music and all of the other pieces to your bio. I was Crack cackling, uh, listening to music, eating nachos, daydreaming, meditating, going days without makeup, amen, <laughs> sipping coffee on the river in her pajamas and leading these sacred journeys that you've really done some incredible things and living a life of like fulfillment on, on so many levels. And that's that mind, body, Holy Spirit piece that we always like to talk to. It really is. For me, you know, I, I, my story is that, you know, growing up that I didn't look like I was Latina. And so when I, my parents divorced and I moved to the small town of Fredericksburg, Texas, you know, in trying to help me at the time, I was told, don't tell anyone you're Mexican. And so it was this, um, you know, shame that I felt, but that it was so confusing because I loved my family so much and I love my dad. So I carried that as a burden in my heart until, um, when my dad took me to Mexico in, in college and I fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with the people and, and it kind of, um, awakened me to like, I need to, to be a part of telling a new story, uh, of, of, of this culture of these people. And so I went to Nashville and I was a songwriter and that was an amazing thing, but it really was this moment, this transcendent moment when my abuelita, which for y'all that don't speak Spang Spanglish, that means grandma. My grandma called me to her bedside in San Antonio and she was dying. She says, mija, I'm dying. And I had this most profound Holy Spirit moment of midwifing her between this world and the next. And she was talking to my grandfather on the other side and she was talking to me. And uh, she came to me at this time, like clear, right before she passed. And she says, Mija, 
you are going to be a mensajera. You are going to be a messenger. Uh, you're going to be sharing the beauty of our culture all over the world. And she said this. She says, you're going to be making country music with chili peppers. <laughs> Yes, that is so amazing. And hence the honky-tonk mariachis that came thereafter. But I got full body chills as you're sharing that. Um, I've, first, I've never heard the phraseology of being a midwife between, you know, going into ascending to heaven, essentially, um, which is just such a beautiful knowing. But that word messenger, I just think there's so much beauty to that because it can be done like Frida did it through art. It can be done like you're doing it through music. It can be done even by how I'm showing up in the world and being able to use my voice to help develop businesses and design in that, you know, respect. Um, but Abuelita is special to us. We call uh, our grandma, Ev, or my kids' grandma, Lita. Lita and Lito. So we shortened it a little bit, and that's what they go by. But what a special, tr like, treasured moment to have with her and for her to basically speak from God's mouth, like prophesy over what's to come for you. Talk to us through, like, how long after that did this really come to fruition? So then after she, on her deathbed, when she was telling me this, I was like, you know, and I'll share this with anybody. It's just like, I can't, you know, I can't speak Spanish. I'm not fluent. You know, I was taken away from the culture. How can I be a mensajera? I, you know, I don't have enough of this. And I felt fat and I felt not enough in all these ways. And she was like, me, how you will, you know? And um, so after she passed, I went to, uh, I became fascinated with learning the language and through some random, but not so random, amazing ways, God, you know, brought me to San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, in the heart of Mexico to study. And um, I was actually working with a healer. It was the first time I'd worked with anybody that kind of, again, did any alternative healing techniques that were indigenous to Mexico. And it was in one of these experiences with this little Mexican woman that I felt like I had a message from my great grandfather, Manuel Anaya Urbina, who was her father, who had crossed the border for religious, you know, to pursue his divinity. He became a Baptist minister, oh. uh, you know, spreading the gospel all over the Southwest. And he came to me in a dream there. And again, said, Miha, this was what you were born to do, to be a messenger and it's time, you know. And so I came back to Nashville from Mexico. I was thinking of staying there, but it was, you know, very clear. So I came back to Nashville. I mortgaged my house for the first of four times and I made my first record. My very first single was a song that I, I prayed. I thought, you know, these radio airwaves are like, you know, they're like little, I saw them as like little lights going out, yeah. carrying a message of love. And, and, and so the very first song I released was a song called God Loves It When We Dance. And I never looked back. After that, like two months later, I had a song go number one in Texas. And Willie Nelson asked me to come and sing with him at his 4th of July picnic. I started touring the world, um, playing some of the most amazing festivals. And, you know, here we are. Oh my goodness. I just feel like I honestly, 
can't imagine or fathom like connection before like moments like these happen, right? Where I'm like, oh my gosh, because this is like completely unscripted, completely like, hey, two strangers just hanging out together now via Zoom or StreamYard, whatever you want to call it. And to know that like, I feel so connected to your story. Mm -hmm. I feel like the component that you're sharing about like being unworthy, like I'm not equipped enough right? Like, how could I do such a thing? I don't know the gospel. I don't know the word. I'm not even able to speak Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. And I have this huge pull to bring the gospel and speak on stages in a fluidity that I don't yet have (laughs) in Mexico to be able to help women like erect businesses and actually be able to say yes and provide for their family and the amazing gifts and talents that they so naturally have, um, but don't really know how to lean into it. And so I'm just, I'm really in awe. I'm in awe of the moment. I'm in awe of your ability to say yes, even against that unknowingness, right? And I think that's just such a necessity that people don't lean into is like, they let those circling patterns of I'm not worthy. I don't know how that'd be possible. I can't. And they just stop right there versus you just continue to pursue and immerse yourself in the culture and the process, which I think is very critical. Well, I think that one of the things as you're talking, because I, you know, I think it was uh, as painful as it was that it happened on my grandmother's deathbed. I feel like it was, you know, you're called fit to faith. It was the beginning of being trained by the Holy Spirit because it brought me, I was so humbled. I was in such a humbled, broken, open space that it was so clear and obvious. And that moment has never left me that moment of of being connected with the pulse of you know in the healing world some people call it the great mystery but it's god it's the holy spirit and once i had that connection i rarely make a move without it you know it's trained me like a muscle to be tuned to that frequency you know, and and frankly, and I, you probably feel the same way. I I wouldn't want to because it is amazing. My very first manager that came a few months after that, she was a amazing Christian woman, Kathy Douglas, and she said, "Watch where God is working and go there." You know, and so it was like helped me to focus my lens and be able to hold the space of miracles. Wow. Because we can, we can, right? I think through like you're having what some would believe is like a duality in conversation here, right? And so I just want to speak to the elephant in the room. (laughs) And the elephant in the room, not an elephant to me. Like I've addressed the elephant. I love the elephant. We're friends. (laughs) But this idea of like frequency and energy and healing and um, the afterlife and conversating with the afterlife and a lot of the things that you're saying where I will say, quote unquote, the church um, or religious natured people would not be willing to explore this type of conversation. Even the Holy Spirit seems to be extracted out of the Bible, you know, and even though it's clear as day that there is a Trinity. And so I'd love to hear, like, how did you navigate Christianity and being exposed to ideas like frequency and energy, 
even though they're God's ideas where the world kind of tries to manipulate them as more woo woo or not connected to who he is, even though you believe that deep knowing of it's truly from him. I think that it's because of my direct experience. It's the direct experience with, with God. It's, it's the direct experience of a little girl growing up in a small town and being raised in the church and believing at some level that Jesus does love me and that being where I go, there's, you know, in, in my mind, in, in my mind, in my imagination and in my heart, that's where I go for consultation to be held, to be loved. And certainly I think it's no coincidence that through um, being Hispanic, you know, that many of uh, Christians in Mexico are still connected to these indigenous ways of connecting to God. And so, you know, I was raised with that. They come together. There's nothing alternative about it. And in fact, it's incredibly fulfilling because whatever God is to me, I have an experience. I feel that love. I feel held. And I feel like that's what I hold for other people. And I feel like those are the songs and the music of my heart. You know, so my prayer is that um, I can open people up to whatever that pathway is, that they don't, you know, dismiss or shut down my uh, message or my love, my transmission of, of Christianity, because I am, I consider myself a, a Christian woman and I honor um, the ways that, however you want to say, the spirit moves through people. Yes, it's so beautiful. You have such an eloquent way of describing your, you know, encounters. And I think if we were more open to share, people wouldn't be able to use other language other than what it is that you're saying, because it is, it's a sensation. It is a frequency. It is a sound. It, it does emanate as if it's energy. And yet that feels very like juxtaposing to what you would hear a traditional person saying when I met Jesus, period, right? And I feel like every time I'm ever in his presence, even when people get, you know, goosebumps, right? Like <laughs> there's nothing normal about that. Like, yes, your body is responding, but it's like you're present. You're, you're in that moment being engulfed by an energetic experience that is nothing other than God, in my opinion. It's not cold air. It's been the same temperature the whole time, right? And so explaining that to people, I think that's when the boldness or the curiosity even is uh, enveloped even more beautiful because you can't take away somebody else's individual encounter. When they're describing it, it's like you're being invited into this intimate space. And every time I've had an interaction with the Holy Spirit, it's really intimate and really incredible. And so I just love like your freedom and how you share and the fact that you bring that into your music and even the first title of the song, right, that you created. I'd love to know being in like popular genre of music country, being a part of that, 
knowing that it's not all Christian premised, right? Mm-hmm. How did you navigate exploring the industry when there were probably a lot of open door opportunities, not all of which, like your mentor said, that God was actually in? Was it hard to say no? Was it um, a, a, an acute awareness of his presence or lack thereof? Or was it like a, a clear discernment? Well, it's been a 20 year journey. 20 years, nine albums, um, had a song that was number one on The Voice, um, and every one of them, miraculous. You can point to it and you go, that's where God was working. That was meant to be. Um, you know, I have feel I feel like I've been guarded by and surrounded at every turn. You know, like I said, my first manager was a, was a, I mean, a prayer warrior, a Christian prayer warrior. She was the first person that guided me. Um, My first investors in in Texas, Randy and Anita Moore, again, prayer warriors, um, praying over me into every concert. And so I I feel like I've been led. I wouldn't say if there was there was darkness that I was encountering along the way, it was from old stories within myself, you know, and my worthiness you know, that came from those initial stories of, well, you're Mexican and there's something wrong with you, you know, that in a little child's mind grew up really big to us to, to, and so that is what I had to continue to turn over, you know, to be made into something, um, beautiful. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Um, Of course, you know, there's uh, in the music industry, there's, you know, I can't tell you, I know many giant stars. I've watched their ascent and, um, and, um, that has not been my path to a certain level yet. Um, but, and that has been hard for me to navigate again along the way. Like, why not me? Why not now? Um, but I absolutely believe that things have been being grown in me for a certain season in life, which I believe that I'm living right now. Wow. I think that there's so much just nobility in that and humility in the knowing that like it can feel like we're in friction towards society, even though we're in like grace and rhythm with the Holy spirit, grace and rhythm with what, he would have our pace be. And yet society shows this like catapult sometimes. Right. And you're like, how do they get there in that way? And and not to say it's less hard work or more hard work. It's I think all of it's hard work when you're getting to any level, especially in that, that realm. Um, but it's this humility factor of saying like, I'm still here. I'm still pursuing. I'm still becoming is the, is kind of the word and phraseology that we always use here in the fit and faith podcast because of my book of always becoming like we're nobody's made it anywhere. We're all becoming and that a fast ascension can lead to a fast demise mm-hmm. because we're not being cultivated or shaped from that mindset renewal from that inner self, that knowing, or even just the ability to be strong and carry it as humility versus ego. And so I am excited because I really do feel like there is this 
evolution, this revival happening, especially in God's girls to speak <laughs> up, to stand out, right? And it's that, that Esther moment, that Esther revolution. And so to know that there is someone like yourself that is just literally infusing the airwaves in a different way than my microphone does, um, but also infusing multiple, multiple ethnic cultures. I think there is a lot of power um, to to that because it doesn't divide us. It's actually doing something that a lot of people aren't doing right now, which is is connecting. Absolutely. It's so exciting to be um, at this moment in time. You know, I have a 17 year old daughter and um, she's so proud of her Latina roots um, I just did a duet that will be out this year with Wendy Moten, uh, who is a black American, amazing woman. She was number two on The Voice this year, amazing woman of faith. So it's just things are changing and it's just becoming enriched, you know, all this culture and um, it's touching everything. And uh, to me, it's exciting. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do. I think that there's so much um, just differentiation when you're really looking for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, you're stuck into that rat reel, wheel. You're stuck into the media driven you know, conversations. And if we can remove ourselves from that and show up in a place of, of I think, authenticity like we are now and just curiosity more so than anything, rather than being um, taught at, it's an exploration of right? And and really learning about other people and other cultures and their journeys. I think it's just, there's something beautiful about it that I don't think we lean into as much, which goes full circle to my exploration of Frida and your exploration of being a a Mexican-American. I'm curious, how has your daughter like been in, in that understanding of who she is and leaning into her own gifts and talents? Has she leaned into her Spanish like ability to speak or being in Mexico a lot with you? Has she gone on any of your journeys? She loves Mexico. So she loves to, to be there. She loves to be, you know, with our family in Texas. And um, I just think that she has an awareness that will um, suit her and encourage her as she steps into her adult, you know, I mean, to me, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing that she speaks into that she's Mexican American, even though like me, she wouldn't, you wouldn't know it by, by seeing her, she has an awareness of it. Um, So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this works in her life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really amazing. And I I think it lends itself even to the conversation of what's to come through the book that you just released, The Shaman Heart. The most powerful thing you can do to unlock your greatness and step into your next level of abundance is to get in the room with others who have been where you want to be and perhaps are going where you want to go. But oftentimes we can put ourselves in the wrong room based on exterior vantage points what they wear, where they go, what they do. When we know in our heart of hearts that we should be following people, standing along people who are aligned in true wealth. Stop feeling alone in the journey of growth as a business leader and an entrepreneur who loves God. Stop struggling to find the right answer when it's already been written. 
Stop giving up on the desires of your heart when God placed them there with intention. Stop standing in this lack mentality when your prosperity is critical for all of us in the kingdom. Come, find a seat at the table at the most impactful faith-driven business conference you will ever experience. Alongside ministry-driven marketplace leaders, you will evolve, unlock, and activate your next level. That just sounded like a video game. This is not the meta, okay? This is your IRL, your in-real-life chance to be in the room with some of the greatest kingdom entrepreneurs of our time. Founders, innovators, trailblazers who are God-centered are coming together to grow their business for God's sake. And that's an inside-out job. You will leave this three-day intensive with action plans, new income strategies, fresh mentalities towards business and life integration, and a sense of freedom that will have others magnetized to what you are selling by the way you freshly and uniquely serve. It's happening on November 4th through the 6th, 2022 in Nashville, Tennessee, with a highlight VIP event on November 3rd. There are seats at the table for you, but they will go fast. It's a limited reservation, so get your tickets now at growforgod.com. Again, that's growforgod.com. I cannot wait to hug your neck. I cannot wait to see you there in person. I cannot wait for this energetic room to just light up the world because that's what we're going to do when we leave this conference, but you got to be in the room. IRL, let's go. And I'd love to hear um, about this collection of 26 Tales of Transformation. Well, I'll show you. I'm so excited. Right here. Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, look at the uh, Mayan ruin. Is it a Mayan? Which one is it? This is the Pyramid of Teotihuacan. Amazing. Mexico City. So um, I was, I guess, you know, I guess it's been... 10 years ago, I was at a crossroad. I had gone through a divorce. I didn't want to get divorced. I was just completely broken open. And I had leaned into my therapeutic, you know, I had a great therapist and of course, church, traditional churches. And I was invited to come on this sacred journey to the pyramids of Teotihuacan. And so I said, I need to go. I just knew that I needed to go. So I went and my experience there, it's laid out like a journey um, that is an invitation to look inside your heart at what's working, what's not working, what are you willing to give up? And it's just a really powerful way to experience um, uh, an invitation of, of transformation for your life. And it's very spiritual journey. So um, this past year I was invited to write in a book called Sacred Death. And I wrote about my grandmother's passing. Um, I felt called to share that. And um, from that, the experience was so profound that I called the publisher, uh, Laura DeFranco at Brave Healer Productions. And I said, I would like to lead a journey with 25 authors in the pyramids of Teotihuacan. I would like to take them on this journey. And then, uh, by the way, part of the journey was going to Frida's house. (laughs) And then we would come back to our homes and we would all write a story sharing how each of us somehow turned something that was painful in our life into passion and purpose. And so on January the 5th, 
2022, a few months ago in the middle of the pandemic and a snowstorm and canceled flights. 26 authors descended into the pyramids of Teotihuacan, this picture. And we took a journey that I led with my husband, Jeremy Pager. And then we all went home and we wrote our stories. And the book came out last week and is, you know, doing amazing. So it's, it's amazing. And it's really um, touching to learn and just have all these witnesses, these stories of how people and God turned this pain into purpose for these people to then share their stories with others. And the reviews are coming in and it's so, you know, people, a lot of people keep these things that happen to them. You know, it's a burden that they carry. And this is an invitation for anyone not to feel alone. Well, I think there's, oh, I mean, there's so much just weight to this conversation, but in in the beautiful way, not in the heaviness way. But I think if people would explore and, and get out of that comfort zone and get into a place that is unnatural to them, but has that supernatural quality, it's like, that's why I take people on international retreats because... Yeah. You have to get out of the comfort. You have to get out of what you know to be true because there's so much more to truth, right? And that I think is what you're doing in this in this journey. And simultaneous to that, the one thing that we share in this too, say the one thing, y'all, we obviously share a lot in common. This is so cool. <laughs> but it's like obliterating shame to activate purpose is the mission of this show. It's the mission of my coaching programs. It's the mission of writing books. It's the, it's the mission. It's, it's ultimately what it is. A shame was established in the garden and it's been a part of humanity ever since. And when we cover ourselves like the leaves of Adam and Eve, like they did, and they thought in that moment, now I'm safe where God sees all of us all the time. And when we can reveal those components not proclaiming we go on a nude exploration, but that might be a thing, is that we have this understanding of like uncovering the fullness of humanity and creating that deep sense of connection. And I know, I can't imagine 26 people because my my retreats are usually 15 or below, but the intimacy that transpires when you're in another country when you might not know the language fully, when you don't know the soil, when you don't know what to expect, but you're laying it all out on the line, I think is just, it's miraculous. I can only imagine the stories within the book and the connection points to our father in heaven. It's been amazing. I mean, just, you know, it's beyond words. I'm honored beyond, you know, I'm so honored. And again, feel so blessed to have my heart listening, you know, in July when this vision was given to me to do this. And it had it not been for the experiences that I had before that I would know that I know that this was of God for God to do this. And then I'm fortified, you know, yes, I have questions like really, how are we going to pull this off? But I know that I know. And that is, that's just such a beautiful way to live, you know? So amazing. And you guys, I don't know if you heard that timeline, but given to her last July, 
taken on a journey in January in the middle of a pandemic. And then now in April, it's already in someone's hands. I am a, I am an action taker. I am palpable. Like I need it. I am palpable in the, I want to touch and hold and see this come to fruition, not out of alignment with God's pace, but to know that like he is a miracle worker. He wants things to come to fruition in his time. But if we don't say yes, if you would have just simmered on that for another year or another year or another year, like the disservice, not only to your own knowing and your own truth, but the disservice to the other 25 authors who now have had this amazing blessing and journey and can have the fact that they are an author associated to all of these other people. It's just those are life prints, like imprints that can never go away. It's legacy. Well, and, and, you know, the, the publisher, Laura DeFranco, her story is, you know, boils all down to, you know, she wrote a story and one person read it and it was at a, you know, crossroad. That person was about to take their life and her words saved this person and renavigated her heart in that moment. And that was the, you know, the, the fuel and the vision then for what now is a publishing company. And so if one person reads this chapter, a chapter, and it touches their heart, it's all worth it because that's why we're here, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you guys have got to get your hands on this book. I know I need to. And so make sure you look up the Shaman Heart. It's on Amazon. And are you going to be doing another one of these in the coming years or? I've just said, yes, I'm going to, um, I'm going to be the lead author of another one next January. It's going to be called Shaman Heart, the Sacred Rebel. Ah, look at that. Because of all of these amazing teachers and, you know, Jesus was a sacred rebel to me, you know, and um, each author is going to get a chance to, you know, share about a someone that inspired them to follow their heart, you know, and to step out with their faith. That is awesome. I love that you already have it in the works. You guys have got to come alongside. Can they sign up for that already on the site or is it not quite yet? Can they can go to shamanheart.org and you can go and I can't remember, look at the drop downs and the journeys. So we're leading journeys to, you know, Peru and Africa and we lead transformational journeys. But at the bottom of that is sacred rebel, the sacred, the sacred rebel, and they can put their name and then we'll reach out to you. You guys, she's traveling the world, making music around the world. I'm sure it infuses such life into your artistry to go to these different places and be inspired and then turn it into song is so powerful. So I am so grateful that we got this time to get to know one another, even just the fragment of it. Um, You're so special. And I hope that people not only do that, but they tune into your music. Um, Is there anywhere else that we can send them to just be connected to you? Are you most active on Facebook, Instagram? Um, Instagram and Facebook, um, StephanieUrbinaJones.com. StephanieUrbinaJones.com. I'll be having a new record come out. So get on my email list. We're really excited about this record. Um, and then shamanheart.org. So um, I look forward to seeing you, any of you out there on the road in a, in a honky tonk, in a theater, at a festival or um, online. 
Yes, I love it. All the places, y'all. Get connected, stay in touch, and we're so grateful to have you on the show. Thank you again for being here. Blessings. Thank you, Tamara. Hey, y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and this will be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith way. Hey there, it's Carly Mercool, your host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.